Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Welcome back, Housewives. Hey, Housewives. We are here. We're so excited to be bringing another awesome guest here today for you. And I'm going to let Tori do the introduction today. Yes. So this was totally a God conversation because there is a networking business club that I attend. And we kind of met, I think, via like just kind of mingling of account, you know, like networking. Hi, yes. (laughs) And you're just, hi, what do you do? And things. And so we started chatting and I immediately was like, oh my gosh, we so need to have her as a guest and share her wisdom and her experiences with our audience because she is just fabulous. And her name is Jody Maddox. So Hello. Welcome. welcome. Welcome to the show, Jody. We appreciate you being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is exciting, ladies. <laughs> wow. We, we're really high tech. We're real fashion. This is like, big time. I'm I, impressed already. Please ignore all the school supplies in the back corner yeah. and all the I love them all. You have so many titles. Like when we started talking, you were a principal and you for special ed education and and then you're a parent counselor. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like parent. That sounds amazing. I know. Like, Because <laughs> like, where is that manual? Sign me up. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know we get the Bible and all, but I kind of I need a little bit more. Break it down for me, you know. So I was like, OK, we need to get you in here and get you chatting. So, yes. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a parent coach and education consultant. My background is in special education and school administration. So the, for the first I'll say half of of my career, I was special ed teacher. So I just got to work with kids behind closed doors. We learned how to, you know, read, write, do things better. And then the second half, um, I was a principal. So I was at the high school level and I was at the grade school level. And about a year ago, a little more than that, about a year and a half ago, I hired a life coach to discern what the Lord was calling me to in the second leg of my journey. And I just really have always connected with parents. And that sounds kind of weird because in education, you usually say, I've always loved working with kids. And I have. Who doesn't love working with kids? I I don't. (laughs) Actually, is that? She's very honest. I'm very honest. Well, I do love kids. I actually like working with adults, too. So I loved working with all the teachers that I've worked with. Just planting seeds of hope in general is what I've always kind of gravitated to. And so um, in my discernment with my life coach, uh, we settled on, yeah, I just want to slow down. I don't uh, really want to manage a school right now. I just want to love. I want to serve. I want to help. And so parent coaching and education consulting for the last year, year and a half, and it's been fantastic. That is awesome. And that's such something I love now is that 
as far as like, you know, remember when we were going through high school and you took the test and like, this is the, these are the jobs that you're, you would yeah. be good at. Right. And then they just give you these lists of things and it's all cubicle jobs. Right. Or, you know, some, maybe some manual labor stuff. But now like there's so many different jobs and job descriptions that well, why not? You right, know, right. especially in the emotional, social, emotional, you know, environment, I guess. Right. About I'd say maybe five years ago, it was pre-COVID. I'm the principal that when we get a diagnostic back from KU Med or Children's Mercy, I sit down, I read it. I love it because my background is special ed. And I started noticing under the list of recommendations like, you know, you should have this accommodation at school or you should reach out to an OT, a PT. They started listing parent coach. And I really just kind of leaped over that. I didn't really know what that was. But then, of course, back to my discernment, I'm like, what is that? And honestly, the big difference between coaching and counseling is counseling is you're diving deep into the past. You're maybe working through some trauma. You're looking for a diagnosis. Maybe there's medication involved. That's not me. A coach is moving forward. What's the goal? Where do you want to be? And how do I help get you there? So it's empowering. We settle on, there are four steps. Uh, We use the appreciative inquiry. So there are four steps. First is discovery. I get to know you and your family, your journey really well. The second one is dream. So in our world, we don't really, as parents, sit down and dream for our family and dream Mm -hmm. for our kids. We plan. We're good planners. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. But do we dream? And then the third is design. So we design it together. And then the fourth is destiny. And that's the accountability. I help you live it. And it has been really a fascinating approach for me. The manager, the principal in me likes to kind of control. This is not about me having any answers. I don't have any answers. I help you with the process of you answering your own dreams and destiny. It's very empowering for parents. That, that's awesome. Oh, I was, well, I was first going to apologize because I did introduce you as a parent counselor. So that's I'm okay. able to take that back. So <laughs> scratch that. Don't I may have been called worse, ladies. <laughs> okay. Hey, if that's the worst, I did call him. You did. I might have a few other names. I was going to say a high school principal. Well, yeah. we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so incredible what we, <laughs> the names we can go by. Right. So well, I love, you're talking about the four steps and you didn't say you cover one thing specifically. And so to me, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more into this episode and we're titling it for you, The Loving and Caring for Children When They Are Anxious. We're going to talk a little bit more about the anxiety of it, but it doesn't even have to be like an anxious kid or it doesn't even have to be a, you know, a parenting, uh, we're having behavioral issues or it can be anything that they come to you about. You know, 100%. I had a mom come to me really in her mind. It was about picky eating. Like it was ruining dinner. And she just thought her picky eater is just disrupting everything. And so we start. And where we ended, it's not about the picky eating. It's about other things. Sure. And that's what we dive into. Mm -hmm. I try to not put myself in a little pigeonhole, but I really, really, really love working with families with children who are struggling with anxiety, dyslexia, learning disabilities. Love to work with families that are managing big emotions, sometimes from ADHD, lack of executive functioning skills, but honestly, just getting to know a family and their journey and providing hope and resources. It's been life-giving for me. And you don't go into something going like, oh, what can I get from this? But it's always an added gift, right? When something comes back, you're like, wow, this is a God thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's how we feel about podcasting. You know, we're like, we keep showing up and recording and doing all this. And it, it, honestly, it, we 
joke where like we have like what 17 listeners and we're joking we have more um, and we don't make any money. It's, no, actually, just the 17 listeners read listen to it. It's fine. But, we don't make you know, any money. My on mom it. is on 18. No, no, later me, I'm going to ride. But it is something that we, like the feedback that we get is life-giving. Like, yes. thank you for that episode on infertility. Thank you for that episode oh. on suicide. Thank you for that, you know, just in the five steps to being a godly mom. Like, whatever it is that we're doing, the feedback from it is life-giving. It really and so is. So that's what, like, you keep showing up because, you get that feeling. Yeah. I yeah. totally get that. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're going to talk a lot about, you know, anxiety, but I think the one thing that you had mentioned, and maybe you can go in a little bit more is while it's a parent thing, it's a family thing. Mm-hmm. And having a daughter who has anxiety, it is a family thing. That's you know, right. it's just not that child. And while the other children may not have anxiety or, or maybe it'll develop later or whatever it is, it becomes a family conversation. And like the picky eater that you just talked about, it becomes an issue at dinner or it becomes an issue, you know, in the car. We're headed somewhere. I mean, it's a conversation that's constantly happening between all six of us and our family. 100%. So can you just shed a little light, you know, on what that looks like? Do you talk to everybody in the family or is it just the parents? What's that look like? Believe it or not, it's just the parents. Okay. Because... We as humans can control no one else. Mm -hmm. And if you could, you wouldn't need a me, right? We wouldn't need a you, right? I can't control my kids. I can't make them do anything, but I can control myself, my response, my emotions, the way I process things. Mm -hmm. So it's really about learning a lot more about you. And um, I specialize in strength-based parenting. So in our world, what we like to do is figure out what's wrong and try and fix it. That's not what I do. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with your family. It's mm-hmm. not broken. It's beautiful. It's designed the way God wanted it to be, right? Yeah. So we use all of your strengths, everything you're doing right, everything God gave you to help grow maybe the deficit, help it manage the situation, help you understand a little bit more about what's going on and the background that's coming with it. Sure. So we use your strengths in order to get the results that you desire. So maybe it's the picky eating, like you're mm-hmm. maybe you're trying to manage that or you don't want to walk on eggshells anymore. Like with a kiddo with anxiety, you never really know what you're going to get. Yeah. And honestly, that comes from their awareness. Like kids with anxiety are pretty smart, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They're afraid of the what if mm-hmm. or the I didn't. Like, what if I didn't do this? Yeah. What if I have to do this? Mm-hmm. All of the what ifs are what's holding them back because they're such deep thinkers. Yes. They're so intelligent. Mm-hmm. So their minds are moving 100 miles a minute, right? And so if we're constantly just feeding that piece of who they are, guess what we're going to get? That. Yeah. So we can't just feed the deficit. We have to feed the strengths. We have to make sure we're growing what is healthy, what is good. And so it's a totally different mentality. We're shifting from the negative. We're focusing on the positive, but we're not, it's not Pollyanna positive. Like, oh, it's beautiful. Life will be okay. Just think happy thoughts. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Because we've all tried that. (laughs) Yes, we have. (laughs) Right. That just makes you more frustrated. Yes, it does. You need somebody to acknowledge how exhausting it is. Yeah. As a mom who has been in the exhausting and the deep and the hard, you know, you share with a friend, you know, what's going on. And it's like, oh, it can't be that bad. Or have you tried this? You know, and lots of suggestions, lots of advice. And it's like, you have no idea how drained I am, like where I'm at. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's not so just snap and fix it and be positive and it'll be better. Yeah. So during that discovery process, when I'm learning more about you and your family and your strengths, then I use that to help us as we 
jump into that destiny or that design process. I have lots of tools and tricks and resources, but they don't work for every family, right? Yeah. And so that would be a huge waste of time if I had a cookie cutter like, this is what we do, step one, yeah. step two. That would be a waste of time because you might not need that. So that discovery process is really, really important, mm. but it also helps me connect with your heart, yeah. with your mind, and what your real desire is. And in the dream process, I say, dream big. You could live in the magic castle and ride a unicorn, anything you want. Nobody ever says that, right? They say, I want peace in my family, or I want to be able to respond with kindness. You know, they mm-hmm. it's really all about the emotion. And that's the empowering piece. Mm-hmm. It's just really hearing what they are looking for and helping them achieve it. So with Let's focus on the anxiety part for a little bit here. As far as have we seen an uptick in anxiety in kids or is it just now that we have a a label to it or is it now like, is that something going on? Yes. (laughs) Right. I mean, this is just I don't remember. I mean, our parents didn't talk to us about anxiety or being nervous or whatever. It was just, oh, you're fine or walk it off. You're, you know, those kind of things. Well, there's definitely more of an awareness to what's going on, which is good, right? We want to be able to acknowledge people, their feelings, where they're at, and help them move forward. But yes, there is something going on. I teach another class on technology, and our brains are actually being trained to be interrupted, okay? And so when we lose focus, we also lose motivation, and then we also sometimes lose the sense of self, And we just kind of step outside of ourselves and we're worried about all those things that are happening, not happening. I'm a part of, I'm not a part of. And um, it's really hard for kids to manage all of those things. When we were younger, especially some of us who are in their 50s, when we were younger, we just had one or two things coming at us on the television, right? We honestly, we had three channels, but (laughs) really on a good day, only mostly we had one little channel. And then I had a phone and it was attached to the wall. My mom and dad, they controlled the narrative. They were my inner voice, whether it was good or bad, healthy or not. They were it, right? Not so much for our young families anymore. Our children have information coming at them all the time. And there is a lot for them to manage, to sort out. Well, that's something that like I didn't realize until somebody had said it. And it was like, you never realize until... The news used to come on at six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock and nine. And that was it. Like you just had those. They just same stories over and over. And now like to have 24 hours news cycles is insane. We have notifications on our phone. We have notifications on our laptop. We have notifications coming at us all the time. And it used to be we would be able to turn that off. Never did I ever walk into a restaurant when I was a child and see a screen. Right. That's true. That is That's so another true. one. I yeah. walk into the establishment that my husband and I like to go to just to grab a burger. There are 37 screens there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great bar to go watch the Chiefs or, you yeah. know, whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. But just imagine you're a little one and you're trying to process or not process that. Right. It's just coming at you. So in a world of passive viewing which is what our childrens do, a lot of passive viewing. They're not thinking. They're not collaborating. They're not problem solving. They're not communicating. It's going on without them. So that's one thing that's going on, right? And then the other thing is, even when they are 
engaged. Well, say they're playing a video game or they're on an app. They can restart. They can reboot. It really doesn't have an end, right? They can try again. It wasn't a sense of failure. So in real life, 3D, when they fail, it really hurts. It hurts worse than you and I probably remember. Mm -hmm. And so their feelings are hard for them to process. Uh, And that's where we have this lack of coping skills because there's so much for them to process all the time. They're getting mixed messages everywhere they go. So even when they are engaged in a screen and even when they are doing something, whether they're watching a movie or whether they're watching an app or whatever, they can stop and start over. And it isn't the same feeling as when you are engaged in hard work and it's difficult and you feel like you're not good at it or why is this so difficult? Those types of things. Yeah. It's that an, it makes so much sense why kids it, are struggling with anxiety then. Yeah. Because they're overthinking it and they're worried about it and they're... They don't know how to think it. You yeah. know, they don't know how to process it. Yeah. And when you and I were children, we were hashing things out side, right? We're in the mm-hmm. driveway. My mom didn't even want us in the house. She she would Maybe say, you can go outside and don't come back. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and believe so, me, before this episode, I'll make note, you heard children just in the background, probably, probably not. Craig is amazing. But I was like, just be outside. Just be outside right. for an hour and a half. That's all I'm asking. It's good stuff. So, it's good stuff. And they're They've gone now. And I'm a good parent. I know where my children are. I have a watch located there on earth. I don't want to be negative to the point like, oh, doom and gloom. No, this is a part of our reality, right? Yeah. Like this is what we're dealing with. But I mean, never in the history has there been so much support and so many resources for parents. Mm-hmm. So the key is shifting through all that and knowing who to believe, knowing what to do, knowing how to apply it to your family. And so uh, anxiety is at an all-time high. We are seeing it in record numbers, but there are so many ways to help and there are so many great strategies. Hey, housewives, we are so excited. Oh my goodness, this is a dream come true. Y'all have heard us talk about our sauna sessions from the beginning, and we have Sutton Lighten as a sponsor of Unlikely Housewives. Why wouldn't we have a sauna session that brings all of the good juices flowing right out of our bodies when we're detoxing? Ex- Bring it right to the Unlikely Housewives. Exactly. But first of all, some of those benefits. The intention of getting in the sauna for us was not to create a podcast. No. no I have another we just job. just wanted to sweat. We detox. Wa- detox. We wanted to boost our immunity. We wanted the reducing of inflammation and some the weight puff. loss. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anti-aging. I mean, there's so many benefits to infrared sauna sessions. And so that was our initial purpose. Yeah. And just to vent, it was that season of life that we just needed to sit and talk and talk about what was going on. And that's where it all happened was in the sauna. Did you realize that there are studies that show Heat therapy produces endorphins, those feel-good emotions. So we were boosting our mood and ideas. So far, we boosted so far that a podcast idea came just flowing out. You guys, this is an incredible opportunity for you. You can have up to $600 off using our link, which is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. 
That's get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. We'll put that link in the show notes for you too. But $600 off a Sunlighten purchase. The one that I have got is the Impulse 3-in-1 Believe. And it's amazing, y'all. It has been the best health investment for our family. I'll say my friends because I invite them yeah. over. That's how I use the saunas in your. I, I know. Sweat. If I come you, over and sweat. But it's so good and such a benefit. And, and you so, said family investment. The kids can get in it too. Exactly. The second I hear that there is a stomach bug going around class, get in the sunlight and girls. Like, you're going to do this in 20 minutes. Let's make sure your immune system is up to par to not bring that home for anybody. It is a family investment and you will not regret it. Again, that link for us is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. All the link will be in the show notes. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the reasons we have you here because, I mean, we're three years in and we're still dealing with it, you know, but we have the things in place like my husband and I have our own therapist, you know, our daughter has her own therapist, but there's still things that we want to help and support our family in. Right, right. And these are these are why these conversations are happening, because just like, you know, in our initial conversation, many of our listeners have heard me talk about our story and just that like missing piece of like parents feeling so lost, you right. know, of, okay got to get my kid help. Like, I don't know what to do, you know? So how do I help them? Well, love that you have something in place. Well, and there's this wonderful institute out of California. It's called the Child Mind Institute. I'm going to call it their mission. I don't really have the right terminology, but their vision, their mission is to help schools, help parents and help kids. That's it. So everything they do are about those things. And they talk a lot about there are five important things that children need to understand when managing their emotions and um, their anxiety. And so in the class that I teach through Doors of Hope Counseling, these are the five things we dive into. One is understanding feelings, helping kids understand what feelings really are, sadness, excitement. You know, sometimes when a kiddo is hurt and you're like, you're okay. Am I okay? Because I really feel like right, <laughs> I'm there's upset. something different. Yeah. Right. So like learning not to tell kids how they're feeling, but helping them understand what their feelings are. The other one is um, relaxation skills, helping mm-hmm. them know how to calm and cope on their own. Third is understanding thoughts. Four is managing intense emotions. And then five is mindfulness. And mindfulness is so important, especially for us ladies as mamas living in the moment. Yeah. Not getting trapped by the past, not harboring all the negative feelings with the past, and not trying to scare or be scared of the future. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we as parents unknowingly, we add to the anxiety by saying, if you don't do this, you're never going to be able to. Well, we don't really know that. So using the future to scare is really not helping our kids. Yeah. Right. And so being conscious of where we're at right now, dealing with today, our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, not bringing up the past. How come you always? Why don't you ever? Those are things that are not helping. So letting the past be done and then moving forward, not using the future to scare or motivate because it never works. It just doesn't work. Yeah. That's where the fear sets for most of the kids anyway, especially if they're anxious is the fear. And so I've learned that too. And it's like, and, and then you're, you overthink like what is about to come out of my mouth? You know, like right. you have to think so much harder before speaking just so that you don't say those things. And so right. that's, I've learned that. 
Well, and the other tip is to ask a question and then just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Don't answer it for your kiddo. Yeah. Let them learn how to find the words. Finding the words to explain their own thoughts, yeah. their own feelings. When we ask a question like, what's going on? Are you? Do you feel? I didn't really give them time yeah. to think about it. What's going on? How can I help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Lots of great tips. Yeah. I have two very different daughters as one is like when I leave the house is just like, peace, mom, see you. And then like, you know, like right when you get work kind of thing. And then I've got my other one who like if I have a flight out at, you know, and I'm leaving the house at 3 a.m., she wakes up, her mental alarm wakes her up and then she comes and gets ready with me and then is, you know, crying because she doesn't like our family to be separated and those things. It's taking the time with one to do something where it doesn't bother the other one. So I I have to like, okay, it's okay. Like, why are you worried about this? And it's just, I mean, we have to constantly remind ourselves that every kid is different. Sure, that first kid was easy. And then why is the second kid so hard? Well, it's a different kid. What you did for the first time is probably like, not going to work the second time right? just because yeah. God has a sense of humor. God has a great sense yeah. of humor. You think I will humble you. I will give you <laughs> another child. Yeah. And you're like, oh, boy. I love it. Yeah. So. My kids are 14 months apart. And I really just thought I was being punished when I found out Grace was six months old. I found out I was three months pregnant. I'm like, what's happening? Where, where is this going? OK, so yeah, <laughs> that's so that's kind of so my story is that my husband, his best friend, He's about 10 years older than my husband, but his kids were 15 months apart and we saw them go through high school together. They were back to back grades. They were the best of friends. They had the same circle. I was like, and I'm an only child. So I had no concept of what a sibling is like, what it's supposed to be like. And so we had my first daughter and then, you know, you start talking about that second kid and you're like, and I was like, no, 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 I can't do this now. Because my the first diaper I ever changed was my daughter's. Wow. So when I say I don't like to work with kids, I really mean I don't like to work with kids. I ne- babysitting was never my gig. And then, you know, it was like I laugh because it's, God was like, no, no, I'm, I took care of this decision for you. Mm-hmm. You were going to overthink it and not let this happen. But that, yeah, mine are 17 months apart. That's it. That's and when it. you're that, you have that seven month old and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's <laughs> another one coming. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Why? And all of that goes into their personalities, right? I mean, Grace was 14 months old when I brought Jack home and I probably asked her to grow up a little bit faster than she needed to grow up, right? Mm-hmm. But she's extremely well put together. She's yeah. She's a planner. She's a prioritizer. But uh, yeah, I'm sure all that has to do with, you know, how she was raised and those types of things. But God knew I wouldn't be able to have more babies. So he gave them to me fast and furious. And so his plan always prevails. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some other ways or resources that you recommend for parents just to check out how to love their children well if they believe that their child does have those anxious thoughts on the regular or anxiety. So anxiety is God-given, right? It is a little feeling we have inside of us. It says, huh, something's off. I just don't feel comfortable here. And that's okay. So there's anxiety. And then there are like generalized anxiety or OCD or, you know, there are other neurodiverse situations that can overcome your thinking, right? where you need to maybe stop and learn some different strategies to kind of help with those. 
So when we're just talking about general anxiety in the general sense where, gosh, I'm struggling a little bit with my friends at school or I'm struggling with even wanting to go to school. There are some quick, easy things that you can do. That Child Mind Institute is a a great one. I also love the ADHD KC. There's an organization here, even though it's centered primarily on ADHD, there are a lot of great techniques there that um, you can also manage with. And there are other people there. And most cities have a chapter. Trying to think of some other ones off the top of my mind, I would always reach out to the counselor at school and just ask her for some resources. I'd also communicate with teachers and I just will let them know, hey, we're kind of going through a tough time at home. And if teachers know that, boy, they can really kind of help in the classroom. But if you don't know that things are kind of bumpy at home, you don't know to kind of be a little bit softer at school. I like to remind moms and dads that, you know, think about your own minivan or your own SUV when you have two or three kids in there. If one is struggling, the other two have to be quiet. We just, they they just have to, right? You have Mm -hmm. to, somebody is going to have to take a back seat in order for me to manage. Well, just imagine having 25 to 30 kids in your classroom and you have one kid that's really struggling. Other people are going to have to settle down. But if you don't know that one child is really struggling, you're just moving forward. And you can sometimes steamroll when you don't mean to. So letting counselors know at school, letting teachers know at school, reaching out to your pediatrician is always great. But there are lots of different organizations that I would stick with. It's also ADD, which is Attitude. It's a website. Again, it's concentrated mostly on ADHD, but they do tons of things with anxiety. They break it down for teens. They break it down for preteens. They break it down for large families, for girls, for, you know, all the different things. And they have lots of different resources to help you out. When do you know that this is normal anxiety? Like nice. Yeah. Generalization, you know, like it's okay to be a little nervous of the thunderstorms. What are some red flags that make it look like, okay, this is more than just normal kid fears or, you know, those kinds of things. What are some things that parents can look for? So I like to say that behaviors are needs. So when you have sassy, when you have anger, when you have fear, when you have sadness, those are needs. There's something going on. Okay. And so when it is prolonged, when it goes on for a very long amount of time, three, six, nine months, that's when you just say, hey, I need somebody else here to help me manage what's going on. I need another set of eyes. I need definitely a different opinion. But something that is prolonged is something you really want to pay attention to. But any behavior that just is ongoing, it's a need. It might not be anxiety. It might be something else, but it is a need. Kids are not wired to be sassy all the time. Kids are not wired to be angry all the time or sad all the time. They don't have the words they need in order to ask for help. And I'm talking about 17, 18 year old kids, too. So make sure that you're not just trying to fix the behavior and you're not trying to tell someone how to fix their attitude or you need to change your attitude. You need to smile more. You you know, okay, I, this, is, <laughs> this is hurting me right now. I know. Oh, well, yeah. one of the things, one of the things that uh, my husband shares when the girls have bad attitudes and he's like, hey, why don't you look in the top shelf? I think that there's a new attitude there for you. While, while you're there up there, why a teenage girl on the planet that doesn't need an attitude check? Yeah, I know. I used to be a cheer and dance coach. This comes from oh, experience. So you, oh, yeah. 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 That's so, going into a lion's yeah, den. I know. I know attitude. But when it goes 
on and on and on, and you don't ever see a glimmer of who your kiddo really is, that's something to pay attention to, right? That's something to pay attention to. And I have, I've had conversations with young girls, especially in high school, when you're talking about these things and they're like, I know I'm short-tempered. I know I'm sassy. Do you think that's what I want to do? You think that's who I want to be? But I don't know what's going on. So, I mean, how are they supposed to be able to verbalize what they need when they don't even want to be who they are? Can we just appreciate the fact that our children are not fully developed? Amen. I mean, like, can we just praise God that, like, the frontal lobe is not fully developed yet and that they can be one way at the age of five and another way at the age of 12 and still be themselves, right? I'd like to meet the teenager that was comfortable going through puberty. Uh, Can we just talk (laughs) to that kid? Because that kid that feels like, oh, well, uh, you know, I just... This is normal. This this is is great. This is fine. Well, I feel like I got a little better every 10 years, right? So my goodness, who I was even in my 20s is totally different than who I am in my 50s. And so every year, I hope I get a little wiser. Well, you'd like to think that that's why God keeps us on earth, right? It's (laughs) just like there's just that you're not done cooking yet. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of go to that point. But just like... But you bring up a good point. We tend to look at our kids as if they are cognitively, emotionally there. And they're not. Yeah. They They have no idea. They're not. Let them be kids. And I think that we we have, my husband and I have to remind each other all the time, too, with having four, there's such a separation from my oldest to my youngest. And it's like, they do not think the same, you know, and it's just constant conversation, even with our kids. Your brother and sister are older. That's why they get to have more time with this or the second cinnamon roll, you know, and you only well, you get one. Well, you a really good point. Like, there are things that we need to make sure that our eight-year-old can experience versus what our 14-year-old can yeah. experience. And so that also causes some anxiety when you're a little one and you're exposed to things that are above your ability to process. Yeah. And so, yeah, age development is really, really oh, important. And Lord knows, you know, three years ago, all of our kids were exposed to more than what they were able to process and handle. <laughs> Amen. Well, I was the baby of five. My mom had five kids in 10 years, and we had to rent a Betamax machine, right, in order to get any kind of ick in our house. But my older brothers did it. And I remember walking into some things that I should have never saw because they were, you know, in their teenage years or in their 20s. And I, to this day, am a little traumatized by those things. So we have to realize that, like, yeah, your teenagers are going to have their cell phones out, but the 10-year-old sitting next to them we got to keep our eye on that, too, because yeah. those things are things we're not capable of processing at that stage of development. Yep. I tell my kids all the time, I'm protecting you from things that you can't unsee or unhear. Amen. That's like, a great way to say it. Yep. My husband and I are very transparent with kids, our girls specifically, about issues going on in the world. And that brings up a lot of questions. But at the same time, it gives us like... They know if they see something that a scenario on Netflix that we don't agree, you know, that we don't agree with, they flip that show off. Come tell me what the show is. And we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't have. But it's because I've we've sat down and had the conversation, the awkward conversation. What does this mean? What does that look like? What is that? You know, these and that takes time. Right. I'm protecting you. You don't need to see everything that's out there. You don't need to watch the 24 hour news channel right you may want to (laughs) my eight-year-old well all of this has been amazing and jody we want our listeners to be able to find you do you have social media or website how should they find you 
Well, I have a website, jodymaddoxicoach.com. So that's J-O-D-I-E-M-A-D-D-O-X-I-Coach.com. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm under Parent Coach and Consultant. So Jody Maddox, Parent Coach and Consultant. I'm on Instagram as well. So I'm here to just, I have a couple different things. I have a free newsletter that you can subscribe to. And um, I have uh, Dr. Panini Ross. She does functional medicine and some health content in the newsletter. So that's free. I want to make sure parents can access things at their financial level. I also have some classes that I teach through Doors of Hope. I do some classes for PTOs at schools and whatnot. And then I also do the one-on-one coaching. But if you go to the website, you can click on my newsletter and you can subscribe. And I try and get that out every two weeks, but you know how that goes. (laughs) Yep, we know. We do. Podcast episodes about the same. Right. So So this next episode is going to concentrate on technology and how it is affecting our kiddos. And uh, there's some really good information there. So um, parents can look for that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. So thankful for your time. And... Absolutely. We're just thankful for you. Great conversation, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Until next week, housewives, have a good one. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. And be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.